Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20 about commandment number four of the Ten Commandments. And this command in Exodus 20, verse 8, it says that you are to... Honor the Sabbath day, remember it, and keep it holy. How do you keep a day holy? What does that mean? Remember, whenever we see the word holy, it means to simply be set apart. So the day is especially set apart for God's work in your life. You are to hallow it. You are to make it special. Now, do you know that Jesus, in his earthly ministry, healed several people on the Sabbath day? Do you know how many people he healed on the Sabbath day? Take a guess. Seven. There's no mistaking that, brethren. He is sending a message. And when Jesus healed on the Sabbath day, five men and two women he healed on the Sabbath day, he was sending a message to the religious leadership of the day who had added man-made laws in 39 categories of different areas where you were not to do certain things on the Sabbath day. For example, if your false teeth fell out on the Sabbath day, you weren't supposed to pick them up and put them back in your mouth. You know why? That was considered work to pick up your false teeth. Now they had a law that if you had something going on with your mouth or tooth pain and vinegar would help, you couldn't take vinegar medicinally But if you happen to mix in vinegar with a meal and it happened to get in your mouth and if you're healed, quoting one of the rabbis, then you're healed. They added all of these burdens upon people so that people could barely move a muscle on the Sabbath day. And Jesus confronted that with seven different healings on the Sabbath. I'm going to show you two of them so you can get the picture. We're going to move to Luke 13. Luke 13. And of course, Jesus as a faithful Jew, would honor Shabbat services and honor the Sabbath day. But here he is, Luke chapter 13, and this is what occurs. Jesus often was in synagogues on the Sabbath day, teaching, instructing, and here's the account, 13.10. And Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, Luke 13.10, on the Sabbath. There was a woman who for 18 years... I was teaching on this, and a brother who attends first service, a man named Tom, pointed out to me that 18 is 666. It's the number of man, and we're going to find out that somehow, though not all sickness can be attributed to a spiritual or demonic force, this woman, in this condition, somehow a spirit had affected her life. And this is the sad situation. She's obviously in the synagogue. But for 18 years, she had a sickness caused by a spirit, 11. And she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. For 18 years, this is how this woman lived. Like this. Now, I can't imagine 18 minutes like that. But can you imagine for 18 years? And now she's in the synagogue and she's walked in like this. And she's bent over double and something has gone on with her spiritual life. Yet she's in the synagogue. 
And Jesus will call her a daughter of Abraham. What's happened to her? I don't know. But this is her existence. She's bent over double. Now, whenever Jesus did a miracle, y'all realize that his miracles were often parables. Now, imagine if the woman represents a nation and she walks around like this. What is that picture to you? A person with all kinds of weights and burdens on their back. She, this woman, becomes a picture of the nation of Israel who has added so many man-made laws and rituals that people are weighed down by the religious legalism that is occurring and they're, they're bent over, doubled over. And Jesus says to a group of people like that, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, you're weighed down and I, I'll be your Shabbat. I will give you what? I'll give you rest. See, I'm the answer to the Sabbath. I am the fulfillment, Jesus might say, of the Sabbath day. Come to me, not to the rituals, not to the burdens. You know, there are people in legalistic movements today that are so under the weight of what those movements call upon them, they could never fulfill them. They live bent over double under the weight. And that's what was happening in Israel. And that's why... I believe why Jesus specifically healed on the Sabbath day to challenge that. And so notice what happens. Jesus saw her. He called her over and he said to her, woman, you are freed from your sickness. He came to set the captives free and he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. This had to be much different than the typical synagogue service. Woman, come over here. You are free. And he laid his hands on her and up she went after 18 years. And she was like, oh yeah, I'm going to glorify God, right? She was excited. But the synagogue leader, not so much. The synagogue official was annoyed. She was praising the Lord, rejoicing, and a big smile on her face. And he said something like this. When you come into the synagogue, we'll have none of that. You must come into this place like you just ate a banana upside down. (laughs) This is how we do things around here. There's no smiling or laughing in church. And he was annoyed, indignant, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath And began saying to the crowd in response, there are six days in which work should be done. So come during them and get healed. (laughs) But not on the Sabbath day. We won't have any of that healing stuff going on on the Sabbath. Now what in the world is this synagogue official thinking? Is he thinking that God doesn't want to heal people on the Sabbath day? Does he actually think that healing is a work? It's not a work. It's a gift from God. And every time we gather, brethren, I would submit to you that this is one of the things that God wants to do. He wants to heal you. Now, it's not always physical healing. He wants to heal you spiritually. He wants to heal you emotionally. He wants to heal you in every area of your life. And when you gather on the Lord's day and you sit under the teaching of the word of God and he inhabits the praises of his people, this is what God is up to. He's touching and extending his hand and healing. And it takes time, and we're being formed in the image of Christ, but you get what's going on here. This is God's heart. 
uh, the disciples were walking in Matthew 12 and they started to pick some of the heads of grain. And of course, the Pharisees are always there to correct. What are you doing? Hey, what are they doing over there? And Jesus said, hey, I got a question for you. If one of your animals falls into a pit on the Sabbath day, will you go and get him out? Or will your poor animal be down there and you go, I'd like to get you. Sorry, it's the Sabbath day. I can't, I can't rescue you. Now, the Sabbath day is about doing good. This is why when we gather on the Lord's day, we gather to do good. We come into the congregation with a heart. Who can I pray for? Who could I encourage? Sometimes I'm the one in deep need of some ministry. Uh, And there's other times when maybe my faith is high and the Lord just has me on the lookout to bring an encouraging word, to pray for somebody. This is what body life is all about. I can't tell you that every time I walk in the church, especially at first service, I'm gung-ho and happy. Usually I say to this first service, good morning, and they go, and then I say it a second time, good morning, and they go, they try to get it out. Second service, you guys are a little bit better. You've had a little bit more time to have coffee and pancakes and whatever else that you've had. But here's the deal. Sometimes Alistair Begg was telling the story. He said he was visiting a church in California, our state, and the morning service began, and he said the worship leader, well-meaning, came out and said, how's everybody doing today? And Alistair said, I felt like a kick in my dog. What do you mean, how's everybody doing today? But he said the moment that the worship began to rise and the name of Jesus was magnified, and my eyes got off myself and back on the Lord. All that stuff melted away. Sometimes it just takes one line of a worship song and I'm back where I need to be. Amen? This is what God does when we gather. This is why he's given us a rhythm of life. Do you keep the day holy? I realize I'm preaching to the choir here, but holy means to be set apart, sanctified, hallowed in scripture, celebrated, And so this is the what. Let's look at the how in Exodus 20. Oh, actually, I got one more account for you. John, so you're still in Luke, hopefully. John 5. So this is the other healing that uh, I wanted to point out to you. Of the seven, Jesus approaches this area in John 5, verse 1, the pool of Bethesda. Notice he went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, John 5, 2, a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five colonnades or porticos. John 5, 3. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered. Now, there was a tradition there or some sort of belief, weird belief, that when the water was stirred up, if you could step in there right when the water was stirred up, you could be healed. Verse 5, there was a man who was there. He had been ill for 38 long years. When Jesus saw him lying there, And knew that he had already been a long time in that condition. He said to him, do you wish to get well? Now the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Every time I try to get there, someone beats me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man became well picked up his pallet and began to walk, brethren, after 38 years. Now, are you ready? 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Join Pastor Michael and some of today's top apologists for the Dare to Defend conference. On March 10th and 11th, these speakers will provide real answers to skeptics' toughest questions and equip you with the tools necessary to confront the moral confusion of today's postmodern culture. This year's theme is Keeping the Faith in a Culture of Chaos. Come to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California on March 10th and 11th to hear speakers Detective J. Warner Wallace. The idea that all we have in the universe is random accidents and the laws of physics or chemistry, then we're not going to get to, we're going to see the evidence differently because our presupposition really colors the way we see every piece of evidence in the room. Dr. Hugh Ross. When God created time, he was a causal agent that brought into effect time, which means at a minimum, he's got the equivalent to move and operate in two independent dimensions of time. Back at Cook. And they would say, are you moving? Did you did you meet someone? And, do you have, and I'm like, well, actually, I did meet someone in Jesus. I mean, they were really stunned. And especially when I got to the part about you know, the homosexuality being a sin, some of my friends really got hostile. Dr. Craig Hasten. Sure, this Jesus thing sounds good, but you know, I know nothing about Buddhism or Islam or Hinduism or Mormonism. And how do I know for sure that I've really got the goods? Lenny Esposito. This one conversation shows how much we've confused the motivations for why we believe something with good reasons for believing it. There's only one good reason to believe anything. And that is, if it's true. Monique Dusan. I think the idea that that's funny racism, like they let you into their home. And like I was, I came home with PTSD from South Africa and all that. And I think I, I started to really think about like, well, what if it wasn't racist? And Joe Dallas. If you want to punch somebody out and you punch somebody out, you're not struggling with punching somebody out. You are, in fact, punching somebody out. Register for the Dare to Defend conference on walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Verse 5, there was a man who was there. He had been ill for 38 long years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? Now, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Every time I try to get there, someone beats me. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately, the man became well, picked up his pallet and began to walk, brethren, after 38 years. Now, are you ready? It was the Sabbath on that day. So the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It's not permissible for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, he who made me well was the one who said to me, pick up your pallet and walk. And they asked him, now get this, not who's the one who healed you. We'd really like to find out who he is. They said, who's the one who told you to pick up your bed and walk? Never mind that you've been in this condition for 38 years. We've got a problem with the guy who allowed you to be a bed picker-upper and walker. Now, let me ask you, 
Was the man healed at the pool of Bethesda breaking the commandment? Was he working? Oh, no. You know what he was doing? He was simply taking his mat because he was ready to go tell all of his friends what Jesus did for him. Amen? He was ready to rejoice. He wasn't picking up a burden or working. His burdens had been lifted from him. And from that moment of that healing, the Jews, the religious leadership, get in conflict with Jesus. And he essentially says to them, you know, you, you search the scriptures because you think you have life in them. And these are they that testify of me, but you refuse to come to me that you might have life. You're so worried about nitpicking the little things that you miss the healing right in front of you and the healing that you could experience that's right in front of you. And so we've dealt with the what. Let's look at the how. Back to Exodus 20, verse 9. So we keep the day holy. We set it apart. Six days, Exodus 20, verse 9, you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. Notice it is to him. In it you shall do, not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. Notice it is a sweeping command that no one is to work. Everyone is afforded the day of rest. And just like having an idol, taking the name of the Lord in vain, if someone broke the Sabbath commandment, the result was very serious. In fact, if you want to write down Numbers 15, 32 through 36, there's a man doing work on the Sabbath day. He's caught and he is stoned. He's actually killed for what he did. Now that seems harsh, but the question becomes, what was he doing? Why was he working on a day that the Lord told him and everybody not to work? Why did he thumb his nose at the command of God. It's important that we have a time for work and a time for rest. And let me just say to you that work is not a curse. Before there was a fall, Genesis 2.15 says that God planted Adam in the garden to cultivate it and keep it. Genesis 2.15. Work is a blessing. The, The command acknowledges six days of work. You should work And you should work hard. And an honest week of work does give contentment to the soul. Amen? When you work hard and you do your best at your profession, it is nice to be able to look back on a work week and say, that was good. I did my best. Now, I I asked my wife, I said, you know, when you look back at a week, do you say like God said to his creation, it's good, it was good, it's good. Or do you normally look back on a week and go, wow, glad that's over. That was hectic. That was hectic. That was hectic. I would say for an American audience like this, you probably choose B more often. But could I submit to you that maybe we need to do a little bit more at the end of a work week? Man, that was good. Now, maybe you say, well, nothing good happened. My, you don't know my boss and you don't know the people I work with. I get it. But you have a job. And you go to that home that you have a roof over your head. Can you maybe change the song a little bit? Can I? Can I reflect on a work week and say, Lord, you're good. Am, am I, have I gotten so negative that I can't even do that, even if there were a few bumps in the week? Can I still say, the Lord is good. Here I am. He's blessed me in so many ways. 
See, I think this is the principle. And work is a gift from God, but also the idea of Shabbat, Sabbath, refocusing on the covenant, spiritual rest, emotional rest. So many things that I need that the Lord provides. Thomas Watson put it this way. This day, a Christian is in the altitudes. He walks with God and takes, as it were, a turn with him in heaven. We meet with God by prayer and the ministry of the word. Another writer says, by singing his praises and presenting our offerings to him, by celebrating the sacraments and sharing in Christian fellowship. The result, according to Watson, is that the heart which all week was frozen on the Sabbath melts with the word. Close quote. Amen. Sometimes just one word from his Bible, one word softens me again. Because this world can do all kinds of things to beat us up. That's why the day is hallowed. That's why we set it apart. That's why on the first day of the week, the Christian church began to worship. I'll give you more at the end of the message, but Acts 20 verse 7 says that they gathered on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16 2 says they took offerings on the first day of the week. And you say, well, why did they do that? Because they did it in honor of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Sabbath day was supplanted by Sunday. I'll give you a little bit more as we move on. But here now we're going to deal with the why. We've got the what, the how. How do we honor the day? Let's deal with the why. Exodus 20 verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I was listening to Vodi Bakum and he said, you know, you imagine someone coming to you and saying, you believe that the Lord made everything in, on this planet in a week? And Vodi responded, no, in six days. He rested on the seventh day. And there are people who will mock this idea today. Scientific minds in the secular world. Oh, that's ridiculous. God making everything in six days. And some of you even say six literal 24-hour days. How is that possible? Well, let me ask you this question. And I'll ask it to the so-called secular scientist. Do you know what they believe? They believe that everything that you see the millions of forms of plants and animals, the stars, the cosmos, the, the incredible order of the moon and the sun and the oceans and plant life and sea life and your body uh, with it, its incredible systems of keeping you alive and self-healing and reproduction and so many things that we could talk about, that all happened by chance. And nobody's behind it. This is Darwinian evolution. They believe that something started swirling in the sky eons ago and all of a sudden planets began to be shot out. This is what they believe. And one of those planets got really hot and then it rained on that planet for about 20 million years. And from the soupy substance created and lightning strikes that hit, the soupy substance was New England clam chowder, just in case you wondered. <laughs> a lightning strike hit and... Out came your great, 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 great granddaddy. And he found a wife and something to eat. And from that time, now they won't explain it the way I just explained it to you. But that is literally what they believe. 
and they call us unscientific. Imagine I said to you that over millions of years, this building, as a miracle of evolutionary processes, came together. Doors flew into place, paint colors on the wall. You know, scriptures just appeared. You know, the wind just went exactly the right way. Light bulbs screwed into the ceiling. As the wind just perfectly hit the side. And at first surface, I said, oh, come on, man. I mean, that's ridiculous. And I, and I got a chuckle and I wasn't even trying to imitate anybody. You've been listening to The Fourth Commandment, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. This is Pastor Michael's Ten Commandment teaching series in Exodus 20. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And would you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or a family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this radio station? The same if you're listening on podcast. Please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then hopefully they will do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, that more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month. Or you can always give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20 about the fourth commandment. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.